applause. That was a weak round of applause. <laughs> Not what I'm looking for applause. <laughs> wow. Well, I tell you what, when I first came here, I'll just be real brief. I sat right there, and I don't think Byron and, and Becky were here for the first few weeks that we had visited. And, um, but I saw a lot of good preachers and I was, I thought, man, that's good. They've raised up some leaders who can preach the word of God. And that was so encouraging. Then I finally heard him and it, you know, he has that, you know, deep Southern twang, right? So it took me a little while to, yeah, see that he doesn't see it. Right. But that's okay. He probably thinks I have an accent, right? Being from California. Yeah. What accent? So it took me a while. And the more I listened, the more I realized how this man had spent a lot of time with God. It's a lot of alone time. And uh, we're blessed because of that. And he preaches, I really believe he preaches from the overflow. And uh, so we thank you. Thank you, Brian and Becky, for leading us and uh, sharing the word of God with us. But Lord, we thank you for this man of God. The good steps of a man are ordered by you and you've ordered his steps. Thank you for the light that has lit his path and his wife's path and his family's path. Use them today to bless us and encourage us and bring forth the word of God in power. Amen. That was really nice what he said. <laughs> and by the way, I am not looking for no applause. You know, there was an old story. It's, this is an old story, but there was a guy who was a concert pianist. Yeah, some of y'all have heard this story. And he became very, you know, famous for being a concert pianist. And, you know, people loved his uh, piano playing, and he was powerful. And, and someone remarked to him about all the adoration he was receiving. And he said, well, to tell you the truth, there's only one person I really care about. He said, there's an old man in the corner there. If he's clapping, I'm happy. Because that was his, the person who had taught him everything. Amen. And so that's what we want. Uh, we want the Lord to be blessed. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, it's nice when people love you. We don't want people booing us, right? <laughs> I don't anyway. You know, that make me a little anxious feeling. But I would soon get over it. I very much would soon get over it and move on. And like, that's their problem. That's not mine. And, you know. Um, so I'm going to read this uh, Lord's Prayer. Um, and the reason I am is because it's just so, been so meaningful to me uh, for the past, for a long, for years, obviously. This is a meaningful prayer for probably all believers, right? But I've spent the last few months really thinking about it a lot more and praying, mainly because I feel that the Holy Spirit has really wanted me to reset my heart towards the kingdom of God. And, and because it's so easy to be caught up in the things of this world, the cares of this world, and all that we ex are experiencing in the world, all these things uh, need attention, obviously. And people are given an attention, but just how much attention and how much space am I given that uh, as I become aware, you know, I just don't want the politics of the world and the, the pandemics of the world living rent-free in my mind all the time, honestly. And so I've given myself to, to the kingdom, to, to be more kingdom-minded. And I wanted to read, read this just because this is so beautiful. Uh, it's, I'm reading out of Matthew. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We sang that this morning. Wasn't that beautiful? I never heard that version of that song, but I loved it. And the Holy Spirit seemed to be loving it too, right? And the angels and all that that was happening. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And powerful, isn't it? So, you know... This is the, the Lord's model prayer, and it really gives us, let me just emphasize, the clearest instruction in the Bible of how to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. There's nothing more clear that Jesus spoke on about how to 
how to bring the kingdom into our everyday life. Now, this prayer is not the only way we bring the kingdom in. Obviously, another way the kingdom is brought in is through the preaching of the gospel of, of the kingdom. You know, that's, that's another way that the kingdom... And another way that the kingdom is brought is by doing the works of the kingdom. That's how, you know, uh, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, uh, praying and healing the sick, delivering people from demonic oppression. All These are all ways that, that God has designed for, for his kingdom to not just reside in the realm of heaven, but to come into earth. So... But Jesus really didn't do a lot of teaching on how to deliver people from demons, right? I don't remember any exactly. He just did it, you know. <laughs> no, and, and he didn't seem to teach people how to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Have you ever thought about that? But he did teach us to pray. He gave us instructions on how to pray and release the kingdom into heaven. So we have to take that. It's something that he particularly wants us to do. And out of that, I think, can flow the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus actually said in Matthew 24, I think it is, verse 14, that the end would come when the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached all over the earth. When that's settled, that will settle everything. You know, he said, that's, well, that's what Jesus said. So um, I think there's seven... Re- request in this prayer uh, you can call them requests uh, the first one is this is just amazing to me I've never really broke it down in my mind like this but uh, the first one is hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done give us our daily bread today that kind of repetitive actually that doesn't say that but it says give us tomorrow's bread today which is a whole nother th- fault uh, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. So the first three of those really are about the Lord, about God, your kingdom, your will. The other four are more about us. Do y'all see that? So that's really kind of the way he broke it. And he wasn't saying we should necessarily take this prayer and just pray it just like it's written. I mean, he was just giving us a model of things that he wants us to engage him with in prayer. And so those are really important. Now, the foundation for this prayer is the Father. Uh, That's our relationship with with God as a Father is the foundation for everything else. These seven things, everything rests on this, this revelation of God being our Father. And if we don't really understand that God is our Father then we will, we will spend our life striving. We'll spend our life to get, gain favor, trying to get acceptance, tr- you know, because we don't have that assurance in our heart that we have that. And so many people don't have that. And so Jesus wanted us to really start from a place of assurance, a start from a place where we're not trying to get something from God. We're not trying to beg God to do something He wants us to start from a place that we are resting on something that has been established, that we're his children, we have a place at his table, we are accepted in the family, okay? Therefore, we have certain rights and responsibilities that's automatically ours. There's nothing to earn in this prayer. There's nothing to try to get that God hasn't already established that we should have. Are y'all following this? And so, so what we have is people are, well, this is how it works in people's life. People are very insecure, okay, by nature. You know, we're insecure. We have fears. We, we're, we feel challenged constantly. Uh, and so once we begin to know God as our Father, those things begin to get addressed in our heart. And so you can be around believers who... You know, if if they're cha- if you cha- if anything is challenged in them that they hold dear, okay, they have a difficulty with it. They they can be very reactive or they can withdraw because they don't have this thing where they're secure in who they are. They're not secure in what they believe. Are y'all following me? 
And so it's really key when we begin to see people manifest those kinds of things towards us to really understand where they're coming from, that they don't really have this revelation of God as their father really working in their life. Y'all are just looking at me like I'm, are y'all blank or am I blank? Which one of us is blank? And so this is like, this is the vital revelation for all believers. This, and I know we've preached about this a lot. Maybe you're like tired of hearing this. Thou shalt go find another church. Because I will not quit preaching about this for the rest of my life. Because this will change your life. This will remarkably do things for you that you, that no counselor, no psychiatrist, no anything, no pastor, no no uh, exorcist, however you want to call it, can do, this will do the trick, okay? This will change you. It's becoming into this, and it's not just a pet doctrine of mine. It is a truth of the Bible. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, okay? And that was his whole purpose of coming there. I think Becky mentioned, you know, he, we had, sin had to be dealt with, but his real purpose was to break, fix the relationship between mankind and God, that was broken in the garden, that we could get back into the family, we could begin to walk in that, okay? And so that's why this is so vital that we begin to get that established in our hearts. And that's why the Holy Spirit is a spirit of adoption. He's drawing us. He's pulling us into this thing. And I hope you can really get that. And so don't waste your life, okay, trying to earn something. Don't waste your life trying to get something, Okay, just don't do it. And here's, let me just say this. You can have a a good desire for something, but behind it can be a motive, okay, that's not so good. The motive can be you're trying to get this need met by having this thing you're going after. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a position. You know, maybe it's an image, None of those are bad things. But if your motive is you're trying to get something that only God the Father can give you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's gonna, you're going to wind up being broken. You're going to wind up being disappointed. You know? Because only He can fulfill these, the, the deeper part of the need. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue things and have aspirations and goals. I, mean, I love all that. I'm very aspiration, goal-oriented. But I've realized in my life at one point that none of that was really satisfying to me. I could reach a goal and be happy for a minute, and then it's the next goal. I won't be happy till I get that. So I lived my life in this terrible cycle is because I was trying to meet a need inside of me that only a father could meet. And so that's why we see in our culture, in our society, how fatherhood has been absolutely, you know, smeared. It started years ago on television, by the way. They started smearing the, the fathers and families. They became sort of the jokes of the family. That was subtle. That was a subtle way of starting to plant some lies into, the, in, into our hearts. Some of it was funny, you know, uh, but in the end of, by the end of the day, it wasn't funny. And so the church has a responsibility, I think, to reveal the Father because that's what Jesus did. So that's why it's such an important part of this prayer that Jesus brought. He started that, and he began to tell us all these other things. And he, but he was saying, listen, but if you don't get the Father thing right, none of this other stuff's going to be right for you. It's just not going to work out for you. You could say, Lord, forgive me for my sins a billion times. But at the end of the day, you won't feel that deep down inside. You'll feel unworthy, and you'll feel like you'll need to do something to get forgiven, you know, which is, you know, virtual insanity. So, everybody okay so far? You know, uh, this next thing, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I think I talked to you a few weeks ago, uh, you know, about hallowed be your name. I don't know. Maybe you don't remember that. Uh, I kind of wish I could do it. I was, you know, in golf, there's a mulligan. Y'all know what a mulligan is? It's when you hit the ball and it's really bad. And so you claim you were distracted or there was a fly that lit on your nose in the middle of your swing. or So you ask for a mulligan. Or if you're like some people, they just take a mulligan on never hold, you know, just, you know. And here's their thought. And I agree with this thought. I paid for it. I can do what I want to do. You know? <laughs> I said, I'm not, Anyways, um, you know, I talked to you a little bit about Hallowed, but here's the thing that's really, well, 
I'm just going to be truthful with you. I've known about this prayer for many, but I never really got the, the impact of hallowed be your name. His, I never felt the impact of it. I never felt the, the, the power and weight that is on that. You know, it means holy or sanctify. Obviously, we can't make God's name holy. We, we can't sanctify God. He, he's already holy. You know, in the Bible, that's the, one, the greatest attribute in the Bible, throughout the whole Bible. The, the one attribute that's mentioned over and over in the Bible is that he's holy. I mean, that's, a, you know, that's the only time there's, you know, two times in the Bible, uh, you know, in Isaiah, when he goes up into the heaven, and what does he hear? Holy, holy, holy. In Isaiah 6, and then John, when he went up in heaven, what does he hear? Holy, holy, holy. You know, it's like God was trying to say, and to me, it's like when you think about holy, it's, it's like everything that God is. It's all the things of God. It's, it's like God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, all those other attributes of God that we don't get in on, like he's everywhere all the time, right? He's, he knows everything. You know, we don't, we haven't tapped into those on earth, you know, there's, they call them the immutable, right? The immutable attributes of God. In other words, they ain't being, Marlon, you don't know everything, right? That's, only God knows everything. And he hasn't really shared that with humanity yet. Maybe we will, though. Who knows? I don't know that we will. But, so, but it's all of that. It's all of that. And so, you know, in the Bible, uh, there and this is this is really true. There's nine at least nine hundred and forty nine times where the Bible either gives God a title or a name. Nine hundred forty nine times where there's these different titles or names given to God. And so what Jesus is wanting us to do is to realize that when we begin to hallow, when we begin to declare, God, make your name great, make your name holy to me. Not you know I think we need everybody else, but I th- what I've learned is beginning to learn to allow God to set Himself apart for who He is to me, and I can begin to know God the way God wants to be known. That that's what this is about. It's God wants to reveal Himself to humanity the way He wants humanity to know Him. Are y'all following this? This is really important. Well, let me tell you. This is a long time ago in my life. Many of you have had the experience, what we call the dark night of the soul. Anybody ever had the dark night of the soul experience? It's, well, if you hadn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for you. you. You need to have that experience with God. But I was a really young believer, and I came to this place where I was really kind of like on the edge, you know, because suddenly my Christianity wasn't working out so well. You know what I mean? My Christianity didn't seem to line up with what I understood Christianity to be. And so I had this great struggle going in my life. And um, I had this amazing moment with the Lord where this is, and I can't tell you how, but this is one of the clear, clearest things that God ever spoke to me. And this is what he said to me. He said, he said, Byron... My face is like a diamond. It has many sides. And you would be wise to spend the rest of your life getting to know me as I reveal myself to you. That's what he said to me that night. And I went from being a very discouraged and messed up person a minute before that to somehow that was like, answering everything to me nothing changed in my life I, I don't I didn't change immediately I still was walked away with the same bad problems I had but something changed in my life and I think it has to do with hallowing God's name it's when we say that we're saying to God hallowed be your name Lord reveal yourself to me the way you want me to know you that's, reveal yourself to me the way you want me to know you versus the way I think you are. It's, Lord, 
Remove the lies about you. Remove the misconceptions. Remove the suspicions. Remove, she, she mentioned it. She said something about the doctrines of man. Remove the doctrines of man out of my heart about you, God, so I can get to know you the way you truly are. That's what hallowed be your name means. That's what it means to me. That's why I began to recently see that and began to realize, oh my gosh, I've spent years walking down this, that encounter I said was over 40 years ago. You know, walking this thing out with the Lord, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, it means that God really does want more flexibility in our praying, I think. Instead of we come to God with our thoughts, but come to God and allow God to, to speak to us, allow God to reveal what he wants us to pray and how he wants us to pray. Are y'all, are y'all with me on this? I, I need some help here. I'm preaching to an empty room. It's kind of like preaching to the old camera back last year. Woo, that was hard, man. Mm-mm-mm. I realized, well, I'm not, I'm not a terrible preacher. I got to have people to help me. Mm. There really is something mystic about preaching, about worship, all that. There's a mystical thing that happens that it's not just the person doing it. It's everybody. You know, we all can affect how the Lord moves. We can all affect the anointing. We can all affect the authority, the power of God. We really can. You know, Jesus went to his hometown and he said he couldn't do a lot of miracles there. Why? Not because he was powerless. Not because he wasn't the son of God there. It's because there was this resistance there from the people, not necessarily demonic things, but from the people, and it affected him. I'm not trying to tell y'all. Y'all doing that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So... I think we really need it. We're at a time where I feel like uh, we're needing to hallow the Lord's name. We, we need to get rid of some, some baggage in our thinking and allow the Lord to give us some new thoughts. I'll tell you another thing it does for you um, is when we say, hallowed be your name, suddenly it will, as we really hallow the name of the Lord, we'll begin to see ourselves different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We'll begin to see ourselves because as we begin to see God a little different, every time we see God in a different light, a new revelation of God, it's going to affect how we see ourselves. It's going to deeply affect how we see ourselves. It's going to affect how we see other people. It's going to affect how we respond to bad news. It's going to affect us in a huge way. So that's why I believe Jesus wanted us to pray that because he realized this, this, this thing can really do something for your well-being. This thing can really do something inside of you that will affect your outside life. It will affect everything about you. It really will, and that's why it becomes a, you know, we've, we've really given your kingdom come, your will be done a great amount of attention, but I believe for me, at least, I just sort of left this one like, yes, holy is your name. Thank you, Lord. Moving on. You know, and I feel like God's saying, now you need to really camp out there and allow this to have some impact and power in your life. Because I believe we're in a place, we're in a time where God is going to begin to reveal himself in different ways. I feel, I have a sense of that. I don't know what, what you are sensing. I hope you're sensing something in the Spirit. Anybody sensing anything? In, anybody feeling like the Holy Spirit's been trying to get their attention lately? Has, has anybody read a scripture like one morning, later that day, somehow that same scripture is brought up to you? Anybody see that's the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. When that happens to you on day like for like four or five days in a row, you're thinking, Oh my, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Obviously, I am in trouble because every time I read something in the Bible, God is bringing it up from somebody else. They'll mention that scripture. The Lord is trying to get our attention right now. He really is. And there's this, I have this sense that we're moving towards a moment in time where God's going to reveal himself in a new way to us. Becky mentioned it earlier, that in heaven it's like they're seeing these different aspects of God, and every time they see it, they just fall down and worship him because he's revealing something new about himself that, that they have never 
seen before. And so we're, we're world famous for hanging on to what God, how God did it the last time or how God was. And we have a hard time when he does reveal himself differently. So in my life, uh, that encounter I had with the Lord is sort of being, became like this overarching, I can't think that's the way you say that, overarching purpose of my life. Because I did say to the Lord when I had that encounter, is, Lord, I will spend the rest of my life getting to know you as you reveal yourself to me. And that really has been, I always go back to that in my life. I always seem, somehow the Holy Spirit always drags me back to it. (laughs) That's the way it feels sometimes. I need to drag you back (laughs) to what's important in your life. Is that, that, that one thing to know him as he's revealing himself instead of the way I think he should reveal himself. Uh, and that's why a lot of scriptures that, are, that get my attention, that are really dear to my heart, like the scriptures on the road to Emmaus, I'm just totally, to this day, fascinated with that scripture, that they walked with Jesus for all those years, and then they walked with him and didn't know him because he was different at that moment, like he had never been before. And that's how I want my life. That's how my life is. That's how your life is. They were in great disappointment with their life. And there he was right there. And they didn't even know he was there. And I feel like in our life, many times we have all this disappointment, all this discouragement on us, all this distraction, you know, this heart that's getting lukewarm. And there he is right there, but he's just not revealing himself the way you think he should. You know, and I think what the Lord wants us to do to find him in those moments. You know, Mary, when she was in the garden, it says, after the resurrection, I love that. She supposing him to be the gardener. Does that scripture not just speak to you? She, it's talking about Jesus had to hear the resurrection. She supposed him to be the gardener. Where have you laid my Lord? Where have you laid my Lord? Isn't that powerful? It's powerful. And he spoke, and when he spoke, she recognized him. I just think those are very powerful scriptures. I love the one in the Old Testament in Joshua, where Joshua, the son of Nun, went out, and the captain of the army's Lord's army came. And Joshua, hey, you for us or against us? And if you're against us, I'm fixing to kick your rear. (laughs) If you're for us, come on and help us. And he said, no, but as captain of the Lord's army, I have come. And And Joshua fell down on his face. Because suddenly he was in the presence of the Lord and he didn't, didn't recognize him. How much more for us? Yet we're in a time, I think, with the body of Christ where God wants to reveal himself in a a little bit of a different way. That makes me really nervous. It makes me excited, but it makes me nervous because it just does. I don't know why. It's just like, you know, what's he going to do? You know, it's like being around somebody, you never know what they're going to do. Like, what are they going to do? You know? (laughs) You know, and that's how the Lord is. Somehow he just makes me really nervous. Like, what is he going to do next? Something outrageous. I wanted to read this scripture. I hope y'all are tracking with this. About how, this is how to be your name, y'all. Listen to this scripture. This is a, a, a scripture that has just, every, it's just amazing to me. It's Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Such an amazing scripture. And by the way, when I went to Israel, I, that was one of the places I wanted to go. I wanted to go to the road to Emmaus. I just wanted to see it. I wanted to go to that place that lives in my head, you know. It was so disappointing, though. It was a highway, and there was cars, and there were some ruins over on the side of the road. I thought, what? This is a road to Emmaus. This needs to be, you know, this needs to be a shrine on the earth, you know. It wasn't a shrine. Nobody was like, oh, yeah, it's over there. There's Emmaus. Here was the road somewhere in here. But now it's a highway like, you know, Highway 21. It was ridiculous. I'm glad I got to see it, though. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, we also went there. That was, wow, that was amazing going there. There's so much in these verses that are incredible. I'm not going to tell you everything, but uh, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, that's the question, okay? That was a question. That's an important question, okay, for us to answer Okay, because it's a question. 
Jesus, Jesus really didn't care what everybody was saying. What he wanted, he was trying to get to their heart, okay? And they began to answer, oh, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, that's, yes, that's it. That's like the ultimate question in the Bible almost. Who do you personally? You see, when I had that encounter with the Lord... I had lived in that first question. Who do men say they am? I had listened to everybody else's version of who God was, which is needed, you know, because both of these is needed. Both are, the answer to both of these questions needed. We need to hear everybody else's version of God, who they believe God is for them, because we, will not, we, will, we can only know God as he reveals himself to us and he may reveal himself to somebody else a little different. And we can get to know that little bit of God. But the troubles I was going through in my life at that time was really the Lord asking me, who do you say I am, Byron? Because I was saying, I was saying to the Lord, here's what I was saying to him at that time. God, it's just not the way they said it was. You're not doing what they said you would do. That's what I was saying. You're not, you're not like they said you were. And I was just frustrated about it because I couldn't get God to do something in my life that I desperately needed him to do, and he was not responding to me. And I was saying, well, they told me you would respond. They told me you were like this. That's who does men say you I am. And what God was saying, Byron, you've heard that. But who do you say I am? I didn't know that was the question. I thought I had the question. Really, God had the question. God was asking me that same question. I didn't know that. It took me years to figure this out. I mean, it took me a long time to figure this out, of what happened to me that night. But he was really asking me the question, who do you say that I am? And it was because he wanted to begin to reveal himself to me on a personal level. He wanted me to get to know him the way he wanted me to know him. Not just the way our pastor knew him and our elders and all our spiritual people that we were around then that knew the Lord. You know, that kind of revelation, that kind of understanding that comes from other people is meant to serve us. But it's not meant to rule us. It's not meant to be the overarching thing in our lives. How he reveals himself, how he reveals himself is the thing. It's the main thing in, in our life. Are y'all getting this? I mean, I hope you are. And then it said something else. Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's what we're looking for. Is we're looking for revelation about who God is. That's, that's what God wants to do. He wants to reveal himself to you on a personal level. And there will become a time, I believe, when God's going to reveal himself to congregations. That's going to be a happy day. As far as I'm concerned, that's the happiest day in church ever. God came and everybody, everybody was busted. Everybody was crying. Everybody was on their face. They weren't standing around outside chit-chatting. They were broken before the Lord. That's the dream. That's the happiest day of your life is when the whole congregation begins to experience the Lord. And the Lord's going to do that. I probably is. He's going to do that. But we need to have this personal thing with the Lord. I'll tell you that. Uh, let's see, what else he say? Flesh and blood didn't my father. And also I say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I love that. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God, we got to get into this binding and loosing thing. But we'll never get into it just because of a Bible verse. We'll never get into it until we have a revelation about who God is. 
And when we begin to get into this revelation, all of a sudden, the reality of these things can become our reality. And then when we go lay our hands on a person who's suffering, a person who has a death warrant in their life, we can break the power of the devil off of them. We can break sickness off in them. God, help us to do that. We are desperate to see that. There's people in this room right now. If God does not do something, it will kill them. They will die. I don't want to sit there and watch them die. I do not want to do that. I have seen enough of that in my life. We've got to come into something more. And we can be offended by all what God does or not. We can push it off and say that's just charismania. And some of it may be. I'm willing to wade through charismania to get to the real. I am willing to wade through. I'm willing to wade through whatever if I can lay my hands on certain people and see God do a miracle in their life. Heal them. Deliver them. Get the devil out of their homes. That's what God wants to do, y'all. That's why Jesus came. He wants to do that kind of stuff. Do I have any believers in this room? <laughs> so listen to this. I got to finish. A blessing. Blessed are you. You know what blessed means? Y'all know what blessed means, right? It means happy. It makes you a happier person. Oh, Quit being unhappy because our revelation is what the media says. That makes you unhappy. It will continue to make you unhappy. It really will. It's just going to make you unhappy because you, you know. But when, when the Lord gives you revelation, it makes you a happier person, gives you some peace in the middle of turmoil, gives you some assurance, gives you some confidence. It really does. It gives you confidence. It gives you boldness. Because he said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because the Father in heaven revealed something to you. The Father showed you something, and that will make you happy. You want to be happy? This is, the, this is happiness. Lord, give me revelation. Give me revelation about Jesus Christ. Give me revelation about the Holy Spirit. Give me revelation about the Father, because I'm not happy sometimes. Y'all okay? And then the other thing has to do with identity and purpose, right? Everybody wants identity. Everybody wants purpose. And I also say to you that you are Peter. You are Peter. Notice he didn't bless you, Simon. Simon does not mean Peter. Did y'all know that? Peter had two names. First name that was given to him by his daddy, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar means son. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. And then he says, you're Peter. Jesus saw something in Peter. There's so much debate over that word, Simon. Oh, gosh. I'm going to go on this side of the debate. It means read-like. It means wavering. Right? Look at Peter's character. He was very much a wavering guy, a read-like guy. He wasn't real stable. And Jesus at that moment said, Bless are you, Simon Barger, and you will be Peter, which means a little rock. He saw something. He was speaking an identity into Peter. Now, this is important to know, y'all. Y'all need to know this. When God gives you an identity and a purpose, tomorrow morning you don't wake up and all of a sudden you're that. Tomorrow morning, I, hey, I was wavering yesterday. But I'll tell you what, Lord, I'll die with you. You just get them up there. We'll take those guys out. And if I had to die, I'd go, I don't know the man. <laughs> right? That part of our life is developed. That part of our life is a transformation that happens. And we're becoming something. We're becoming who he said we are. You know? And so we had to give each other grace, you know, about stuff like that. And realize that every, every one of us are under construction inwardly being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. The image that he says. But he did give Peter. And we did see Peter become that, that person. We did see that. We saw it. 
the word of the Lord doesn't fail. And the word of the Lord in your life will not fail. It will not fail you. The only way it can fail you is you to totally reject it and not let it, let it happen. And he gave him a purpose. You know, he gave him a purpose. He gave him a, and a lot of times in the Bible, y'all know this, is when a name change happens like Abram went to Abraham, is because God was giving him identity for his purpose in life. This is where you're headed, friend. This is who you are now. Because you need to be, you know, in, in the Hebrew culture, y'all, I think y'all know this, in the Hebrew culture, a name meant everything. People named their children according to who they were. And it came true, who they were, right? Jacob was the usurper. He did all that. His mom and daddy was prophetic. God gave you this grace. Are y'all following this? Y'all are a tough crowd to preach to. <laughs> yeah. So that's what the Lord did. And then there's this fresh revelation of church, y'all. That this is important. You know, in the middle of, of the Lord really releasing all this, this thing to Peter, he's saying, hey, Peter, and guess what? Church is really important in my kingdom. Church is really important in your purpose. And I, I don't think we necessarily need to go around preaching the church. I think we need to preach the kingdom, but I do think we need to say that God has designed the church to be integral to his kingdom. That the church has a big purpose in the kingdom. And that's what he was saying. And, but he, and he told him what the purpose was. Okay, this is what he told him. He said, uh, you know, on this revelation of who Christ is, I'm gonna, that's what that really means, y'all. Did y'all know that? It didn't mean that he was going to build the church on Peter. He was going to build the church on that revelation Peter had. That revelation that Jesus was the Christ. That's the real rock. And so he began to build this. That's how the church is built on that revelation. And then he said, and, the, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, whatever you bind and loose, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. There is a spiritual warfare that we have to realize. Are y'all with me on this? This is, we're in a war, y'all. And the Lord has been telling me recently, that's the devil, Byron. That's the devil at work in that person's life. You need to do something about it. You need to start breaking that thing off of them. And if they'll let you break that commission of the devil off their life. The devil's at work in people's lives. He's at work. And if you think he's not, you are full of delusion. I was going to say something else, but then I'd get fired. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Maybe I only say that on the golf course, huh? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord, right? <laughs> but you see how, where all this goes? I mean, it goes the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not stand against you know, and, and there's these keys he wants to give us. There's, there's power in this thing. There really is something God wants to release. And for Peter, it really, hallowed be your name. Who am I? This is how I'm revealing myself to you, Peter, as, as the Christ. And out of that revelation, and so in my life, this is what I found. Every time God reveals himself to me, there's something fresh about church there's something fresh about myself there's something fresh about spiritual warfare okay it's this pattern that happens just like what he did with peter over and over there's a pattern in my life. i can look back i can be so disappointed with church or disillusioned with it but when the lord reveals himself i'm not talking church i'm when he begins to reveal himself suddenly you see the church different Suddenly you see authority different. Suddenly you see spiritual warfare different. You see yourself different. You know, that's how, what God wants to do. Yes. Yes. You know? We got to get, here's all I'm saying. Lord, hallowed be your name. Lord, I don't want to see you the way I think you are no more. And I don't want to just hear doctrines about you. God, I want to experience you. I want to experience you. That song we sang... I know I'm over time. That song we sang, what did it say? Dark, there's no night dark enough or something like that. Is that what it said? There's no darkness? Something. 
There's no darkness something. There's no dark night. You can't. Well, when I had that encounter, Lord, I was in the middle of the darkest place spiritually. And I went out at night in the, and went as far as I wake out in the middle of federal, no, state game lands where the roads are not even paved. There's nothing but dirt roads for miles just to get out there. And I'll tell you, I was living in darkness in my heart. It was darkness around. But when the Lord said that to me, it was like light turned on. And I, when they sang it, I remember that moment in my life when suddenly everything began to make sense to me. Everything began to, and I couldn't get it in my head, but in my heart, everything got in order. Because God was talking to me personally. He was revealing himself to me of who he was and how he wanted to function in my life and how he wanted to operate in my life. And that's what he wants to do for all of us. And I think for the church, we desperately need the Lord to do that. I think, I think there needs to be, and I know people, we're not talking about habitation versus visitation because I'm a big habitation person, but I do believe in special visitations, right? Where the Holy Spirit comes and does a special work in a church. And I'm asking the Lord to come to this church and visit us in a way that when he's done with that visit, we ain't going to be the same. We're going to look different, we're going to think different, and we're going to act different. I think about that scripture. I want to tell you that scripture that just gripped, another one of these scriptures that lives rent-free in my head, where it says that, that Paul, that God did unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. By the hand. I'm saying, Lord, here's my hands. God, let my hands be representative of your hands. God wants to do that kind of stuff, y'all. We need that kind of stuff. I need it in my life on a personal level. Situations in my life where I need God's wisdom and power to come. But I look around and I see people hurting. I have brokenness on people. I walk in the grocery store and I see people that have very little hope left. That have barely enough money to buy groceries to feed their family and they're desperate people. God is interested in that kind of stuff. He's interested to do something. And he's just looking for somebody to say this kind of stuff. Lord, here's my hands. Here's my thoughts. Do something, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me get to the place where I can be Jesus for somebody else. I was talking to me this morning. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for our life? Okay? Preaching is not a good purpose. It's not a good purpose. I don't want to spend my life preaching, okay? I want to spend my life doing something that's going to have an impact on human beings and change people's life. That's what God's looking for. And we need to find that purpose of God in our lives. We really do. Peter was a great preacher, obviously. You know, he preached that message and it was like sort of the sword of the Lord. I mean, we want great preaching. But if that's all there is, you know, or whatever thing it is, and I'm saying, Lord, you know, I don't, I don't want my life to be that. I want, there's something more. God has something more for us. I'm just hungry for that. I don't know about you. I'm hungry. I'm hungry to see the Lord move. I'm hungry to have an encounter with the Lord that I walk away knowing there's something to do that God's called me to do, and God's going to back it up. It's just not me trying to figure it out. I'm going to stop, Becky. Come out here and help me out of this. I, I can go on with this. Um, that the Lord's prayer, you know, Corey spoke the other week about the body, how the kids are part of the body. This is what the kids are learning right now in class for the next four weeks wow. is the Lord's prayer. So the Lord is speaking. He's telling us as a church, this is what we need to be praying. Ooh, that's good. That's really good. Amen. Why don't we stand up? Let's stand up. Lord, we just thank you for the word of the Lord today to us. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We just, Lord, we're grateful. 
Lord, we just say this. When we hear your voice, it's like no other voice we know. Lord, we're just asking you, Lord, to just, just come, Lord. Visit us. Just bring that visitation. Lord, I just pray in this room that every person in this room will have a visitation with you. Lord, I ask you, I want that, Lord. Let's just lift our hands and say, Lord, we want the visitation. We want to hear your voice. Lord, we want that voice that changes us forever. Lord, we ask it on a personal level, and we ask it for this congregation. Lord, we're, we're just crying out for it, Lord. We just say we want to know you as our Father. We want to hear our Father's voice. Lord, we're asking for it. Bring it to us, Lord. Just do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it in each and every one. In our children this week, Lord, in our children, in VBS, Lord, we're saying, do it, Lord. Capture them this week, Lord God. Lord, for our youth, we're saying, capture them with your voice that they would encounter you. The children, the youth encounters, Lord. We're asking you for it, Lord. Come, come, Lord. Do it, Lord. Just come, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. We just say yes. 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 Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We want to pray for the sick. We want to pray for any needs you might have to send up your... We would the ministry team come up. Ministry team, come up. Come on. Ministry team, come up. I really believe the Lord is going to heal some people up here and deliver some people. I really believe that healing and deliverance this morning. Just really believe that. So we just uh, say, come get prayer. I just believe there's some things in this room that God wants to break over this congregation. And I just say, come get prayer. If there's things, I believe the enemy's been tampering and messing. And you need to come get prayer to get that stuff broken off of you. So come. And we just say, be released. And... Uh, if you want to help, move to the right side. We need help, too, breaking up chairs. But we can pray and break down chairs at the same time. Say amen. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you.